Welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-end fund information and education, brought to you by the Closed-End Fund Association. My name is Diane Merritt. Before we start our discussion, I would like to note the Closed-End Fund Association is holding an educational conference for registered investment advisors on March 10th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. For more information and registration, please go to www.cefadvisorsummit.com. Today we are joined again by Tom Rosine, Head of Research Services with Refinitiv Lipper and author of the Fund Market Insight Report, which provides in-depth monthly commentary on the closed-end fund market. We're happy to have you with us today, Tom. Hi, Diane. Good to be with you. Tom, you recently published your report covering December 2019. You look closely at performance, premiums and discounts, corporate activity. What overall trends are you seeing in the closed-end fund space, and how did those trends play out in December? Well, I think uh, a lot of investors, whether you are on the closed-end fund side or open-end side of the equation, I think everybody was looking to an agreement whether it be a phase one agreement or not uh, with uh, between China and the U.S. And I think people were hearing from both the Chinese side and also from the U.S. side that, that, that we were getting closer and closer. And I think that propped up the markets fairly well for us. We had a very strong non-farm payroll report for November that came in, 266000 versus 180000 So I think investors were really thrilled to see that as well. That the, it appears that the economy is, is firing on all cylinders. Contrary to what a lot of other people said, 3.5% unemployment rate, 50 a year low, tied to 50 year low. So overall, investors were very sanguine on the market. We saw that uh, equity funds uh, rose 3.36% on an AV basis for December. It was the fourth month of plus side performance, and for the second consecutive month, we saw fixed income funds post uh, plus side returns gaining 1.27% for December. And one thing that people haven't been paying attention too much to is really the increase we saw in oil, and it'll, it'll pan out here later in our conversation. Near-term oil futures basically had a 10.68% return in December, a monster, after learning that OPEC reduced uh, its output by 500,000 barrels per day actually starting in January. So it was a real big boon for the closed-end fund space for investors investing in that area. Now, your data breaks out closed-end funds into over 20 classifications. What classifications were the best performing for the month, and which sector struggled? Well, we basically saw world equity and world fixed-income funds rise to the top for the first time in a couple of months on the fixed-income side, but for the fourth consecutive month on the world equity side. Basically, what we saw was the world equity funds but post a 3.71% return. Again, it's the fourth consecutive month they've seen plus side performance. And then if we take a look at the world fixed income side for the third month and four, we saw a 2.59% return this month. And let me take a quick step back on those numbers. One thing I want to point out, in 2019, we saw that equity funds posted their best one-year return in over a decade. Actually, last time we saw a stronger return was in 2009, and equity funds returned a one-year return of 19.24%, and even fixed income funds got in on the game here this year. Uh, Fixed income funds saw their best return since 2014, returning a whopping 10.84%. That's fixed income funds that did that well on a NAV basis. So I just kind of want to retrace a little bit and kind of, you know, say for the year we had great returns. Let's go back, though. 
Energy Master Limited Partnerships were actually the highest and best performer. Recall that I said that oil had one of its best returns in a while, 10.68% return. Well, that passed through to the Energy MLP group. For the first month in nine, they rose to the top, uh, returning 10.30%. Another related classification in, here at Lipper, Natural Resources Funds was the next best performing classification, 7.52%. And emerging markets actually saw a very strong return, this is their, uh, they were the third top performer as far as macro group score, classifications go, 5.44%. Uh, these are all one-month returns that I just gave you, so phenomenal returns on that. And let me quickly tell you about the fixed income. Merging market debt, 3.82% for the month, high yield leveraged, 2.25%, and high yield unleveraged was 2.24%. So really the story on this area was people were willing to put risk on the portfolio. They were paying attention to what was happening between the global markets. And finally, they were thrilled by the non-farm payroll report, you know, showing a lot of, you know, a lot better economic activity. Is this a change in what you have seen in the previous months? Was there any impact from year-end tax law selling? You know, actually, we did see, you know, it's, you know, when we take a look at NAV-based, and this is basically what I've been providing is NAV-based returns, if we take a look at the market returns that are out there, so market prices, those are the most influenced by premium and discount behavior. And we did see that the average equity fund actually had a widening of its discounts by 80 basis points, which we would expect from a little bit of that tax loss selling at year end. So we did see that. Interesting enough, on the fixed income side, that did not occur. We saw a 54 basis increase or improvement, I should say, uh, or a narrowing of discounts uh, to 5.63 for the average fixed income fund. Um, so yes, we did see some uh, impact from tax loss selling, but it was predominantly only on, and we'd expect that with one of the biggest equity performance years that we've had in a while, uh, we'd expect that uh, at the year end when people were probably looking for some safety, taking some of those hard-won profits off the table, and also thinking about Uncle Sam. Now, closed-end funds can trade at a premium or discount net asset value. What were the trends in premium discount behavior? Again, so we saw equity funds widen about 80 basis points. They actually increased their average, uh, I should say, their median discount to 7%. Um, and then we saw the fixed income funds uh, go to 54 basis points improvement, and the median discount uh, for fixed income funds was 5.63%. And if we take a look at some of these, we see that the worst case scenario was, or actually the worsening was that actually occurred in December 2018. We saw uh, an average discount for all closed-end funds, whether fixed income or, or equity, at 11.97%. And how do premiums and discounts compare to their historical averages? And we've seen a decline. Uh, we've seen actually improvement for the, uh, and it's uh, generally at a discount. Uh, we saw that the average fund, again, whether it was equity or fixed income, had a median discount of 5.78% today, uh, but it's still much better than the 6.97 median average discount that we saw for the group over the last 13 months. Which sectors saw the greatest improvement and the most downdraft? So single-state munis actually saw the largest narrowing of discounts, 120 basis points to 759 and then the largest increase was in the world income funds, so still in the income, the taxable bond fund side. They saw the largest widening of their discounts, 130 basis points, but actually to a very uh, reasonable 6.02% uh, uh, discount on average.
Tom, there was quite a bit of corporate activity in 2019, and notably there has been an uptick in initial public offerings. Do you expect this to continue into 2020, and what is the impact of the closed-end fund market? So I, I do think that we're going to start seeing this. You know, one of, one of the things that we saw in the prior year in 2018, we saw a lot of consolidation. We saw um, actually the number of mergers and liquidations exceed the number of new funds being created. But this year, we saw a new trend of not only more interval funds coming out. There was 26. There was 33, by the way, created in 2018 and 2019. We saw 26, so the trend continued. But instead of three in 2018 from the conventional closed-end fund point of view, we saw 10 new conventional closed-end funds being created in 2019. I think that's where we're going to see more of the trend. We saw the consolidations in mean, muni bond fund categories, uh, particularly where we saw uh, New York, let's say aggressive or a New York uh, general. Um, we see that fund families actually consolidated a lot of those uh, general muni bond funds uh, into uh, each other, trying to get economies of scale. But what we're seeing now is an embracing of other types of income producing funds. And I think that's where some of the trend is going to come from is, is a new creation. So I do believe this will continue on. Interval funds differ somewhat from traditional closed-end funds, and they have been gaining interest among investors and fund sponsors. What activity are you seeing among interval funds? Okay, so the activity that I'm seeing around interval funds is that the uh, interval funds, first of all, are double-edged sword. Uh, when we're taking a look at them, as, as we have discussed in the past, uh, basically they are a continual offering, just like any open-end fund. However, they only have quarterly refundings. But the trick here is that uh, the fund families are able to raise money on a continual offering basis, but there is a little bit of drag on performance uh, that we would need to be concerned about because they have to have some money around to meet those uh, quarterly redemptions. But one of the trends that we're seeing is the fund family sponsors are actually coming out and coming out with more income-related type of funds. Do you expect to see new interval funds continue to be brought to market in 2020? And if so, what type of funds? I do. You know, uh, really, the fund sponsors are trying to meet the need of the baby boomers. Baby boomers have a need for income. Right now, I think many investors think that the equity market's a little long on the tooth. Uh, the Treasury rates are going to be flat. We heard basically the Federal Reserve Board come out and say, hey, they're okay waiting. They're going to wait for economic data to show whether they should be either increasing interest rates or decreasing interest rates. So interest rates are very low. So investors are struggling to find an instrument that they can use to meet their income needs. Uh, in retirement. And so I think what we're going to see is more offerings of income-related funds. So we'll see real estate funds, covered call funds, you know, any of those income, preferred stock, anything that can get them a little bit extra yield in there. And I think they'll be using um, the interval fund to meet those needs. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Diane. And we want to thank you for tuning in to another CEF Insights podcast. For more educational content, please visit our website at www.cefa.com.